The reading is from the letter of Paul to the Galatians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, and you can find it on page 184 of your Pew Bibles. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accused. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let that one be accused. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. What a great truth that we stand forgiven at the cross. Now, as Denver said, we are starting a new sermon series looking at Paul's letter to the Galatians. And again, you might find it helpful to turn again to our Pew Bibles on page 184. That is Galatians chapter 1. And I'm really going to pray that these things will become part of our lives over the next few weeks and months as we go into this great book of the New Testament, that the truth that Paul is talking about, about grace about freedom in the gospel, being led by the Spirit, would really make a difference in our lives. So let's pray as we come to this great book of Galatians. Father God, we thank you that we can gather together in this place today. We thank you that as we look around you, we see our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, there are many voices we could listen to in this world. But we pray, Lord, that today you would give us ears to hear your words. And you would encourage us by your spirit to live for you. So Lord, in these moments, help us not to be distracted. Help us to keep our eyes upon you. And you would feed us in our hearts and minds today. And we ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, in every walk of life, I suppose there is jargon. Last year, Kate and I and the family were on a beach in Fife. Yes, some people go onto the beach in Scotland, and it was a great time. And in front of us were two men in a wetsuit, and they looked at the water, and they turned to each other, and they said, hey, nice lines. And I thought, nice lines? That's what surfers say when the waves are lined up in the proper way, and it's going to be a good surf that day. Nice lines. So every time Kate and I now go to the beach, we turn to each other and say, hey, nice lines. 
Or if you're looking at a camera and you see somebody with a nice lens on the camera, you say, hey, nice bit of glass. Do you know that? Nice bit of glass. There's jargon everywhere in life. No matter what you're interested in, who you are, where you are, somebody somewhere is using jargon. Now, one of the words we always use in the church is gospel. If you were pushed to define the word gospel, what would you say? We talk about sharing the gospel. We talk about reading the gospel. We even talk about listening to gospel music. Now, as we start this letter to the Galatians, we're going to think for a little while what the gospel is, why we must treasure it, and we're not going to give in to temptation to change it. So maybe a little framework to help us think about what is the gospel might be helpful. Here's a little summary I came across. What is the gospel? Well, first of all, there's the good. In the beginning, God created this wonderful world in which we live. There's great variety and color and beauty. God is our wise and good creator. God looked at everything he had made and said it was good. And that included the first people, Adam and Eve. But then we learn from the Bible that Adam and Eve made a terrible decision to disobey God and go their own way, thinking, we know best. And that act began a cycle of life, disobedience and death that continues down to our day. Human beings, we all share in the sinful nature, passed down from our first parents. The good that was in the world has now been corrupted, spoiled. Sin has come into our world and into our lives and affects everything. And what can be done? What can be done to bridge this divide, to heal this terrible sickness we all know and experience? So the good, the bad, and then the new. Thankfully, God did not leave us in this pitiful state. God has not finished with his wayward creation. We have a hope, and his name is Jesus. Sin and death entered the world through Adam. Life and hope entered through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus paid our sin for our sins on the cross, something we could never do ourselves. God raised him from the dead on that first Easter, and he ascended into heaven. And so the Bible presents us with a choice. Will we trust in what this Jesus did for us on the cross and commit our lives to him as a result? If we believe and follow Jesus, we now live by the Holy Spirit, live in holy lives in a response to Christ. And yet something even better is waiting for us. So we have the good, the bad, the new, and then the perfect. God has promised us that one day there will be a new world, a new creation with no more tears, death, pain, and suffering. God will restore what was broken, and Jesus will come again. And until that point, we wait eagerly. We wait patiently for that perfect new life in Christ. And all this is God's free gift to us. We cannot earn it. We cannot buy it. Though we rebelled against God, he has offered us rescue and a new life in Christ. The gospel is all the good things that God has done for us in Jesus. Now, this is not something we just want to believe in our heads. We want to take hold of these things and make them ours, make them ours in our lives. So here's another little summary you might find helpful. The ABC of sharing the gospel. You might have had those little building blocks when you were young. Well, here's an ABC of what exactly is God's message to us. 
First of all, there's something we need to accept. We need to accept that we're far from perfect. In fact, we're fallen, and every day we think, say, and do things that separate us from God. We accept that we are sinful, and we deserve God's judgment. That's why we have wonderfully had a confession and thought about our forgiveness in Christ already in our service. And this is something that so many people find really hard to accept. We like to think we're better than so-and-so. We're not really that bad, are we? We like to think that a sinner is really a murderer, a thief, somebody really despicable and beyond the pale. A sinner is anyone but us. Something we need to accept, but there's also something we need to believe. We need to believe that Jesus has the answer to us. He heals our sickness. He pays our debts. He fixes what was broken. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot simply by willpower make ourselves a better person. And therefore we need to be rescued by Jesus, our Savior. No other religion, our belief, our philosophy will do. God's plan always centers on what Jesus did for us. Again, very hard for people to really take on board. You really mean to say, I cannot come to God by myself. You mean there's only one way to get right with God. You're seriously telling me that I have no other hope than the cross of Christ. Something we need to accept, something we need to believe, and then something we need to confess. We need to confess that there's a huge problem that we cannot fix ourselves. We need to confess and be honest with ourselves. We need to turn away from our previous way of life, our self-centered sinful lives, and follow Jesus instead. And this is not a flash in the pan, something temporary. This is a wholehearted, life-changing decision with far-reaching consequences for ourselves and our family. Because if this is true, this is the most momentous decision we will make in our lives. Jesus died for me, and now I must live for him. So that's summing up what the gospel really is. Now let's see how Paul applies this when he's writing his letter to the Galatians. So what does Paul say? We'll look down at verse 1 if you have your Bibles open. What does he say? Well, Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then verse 10, am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? See, Paul is saying here that his message isn't something he's dreamt up. It's not something man made at all. This is from God. That's where his authority comes from as an apostle. He is called and commissioned by God himself. Remember that wonderful Damascus Road experience? He falls to his knees, blinded by a light, and the risen Christ speaks to him on the road to Damascus. That's where his authority comes from as an apostle. He is commissioned by God himself. He's not in it for the money or the glory or the power. He was called by God. And it's exactly the same for us today. The good news about Jesus dying for us is from God. Some cynics say, well, that's not what Christianity is really about. Christianity is all about a means of social control. It's all about governments and empires trying to make us toe the line. 
despite the ruling classes trying to control the little people. That's not what Paul says. It's not dreamt up by people. This comes from God. Some people try to tell us, well, the gospel is just a psychological crutch for weak-minded people who cannot cope with the big bad world around them. But no. Paul says, this is not from me, this has come from God. And that should be our confidence, our authority. In this year, 2024, if we try to speak to people about Jesus, it might seem very small, irrelevant, it might seem very distant, removed from people's lives. But let's recover recover the confidence that these things are not from us. They're from God. They were the same in Paul's time as they are in ours. These are not ideas that belong to St. Lawrence Church. They do not belong just to the Church of England, heaven forbid. These things belong to all of us as Christians. They come from God. But as well as that, from God, these things are also about grace. Look at verse 3 of our reading. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of the God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. You see, grace means we get what we don't deserve. It's a free gift from God. We're not worthy of God's rescue in Christ. We don't deserve it. All we can do is accept it with hope and hands and live out our lives in thankfulness as a result. And throughout this letter, this is what's going to be analyzed. The problem was people were adding things to the gospel. They're saying, well, you need the gospel, but if you're a male, you also need to be circumcised. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but... You also need to eat the right types of food, hold the right festivals, go to the right feasts, hold these proper days. And Paul says, no, there is a gospel from God and we must stick to it. It is from grace from start to finish. Last week I spoke to a lady who is starting end of life care. We talked about faith and about going to church and what that is all about. She said that she hoped that she had led a good enough life to get to heaven. And I gently try to say that the gospel is much better news than that. We can do better than just trying to be good. I don't think it's good news if we think that our lives are some sort of cosmic snakes and ladders board. You do something good one day, you go up, a ladder, you do something bad, you slide down a snake. And it's the same thing day in, day out. Where is the assurance in that? Will you ever know if you've been good enough? But Christ's love is not like that. He has promised us that if we have trusting in him, believing in him, we will have eternal life and will be with him forever. We can have confidence, assurance, not in ourselves, but in what Jesus has done for us. Isn't it great this morning? You don't have to rely upon your goodness, your performance, about how good you are. All we have to rely upon is what Jesus did for us. I wonder if we've really grasped the liberating power of grace in our church. 
Have we really let grace seep into you? I read a book this week, and it's all about a man who is trying to think about the gospel in his church and how that changes our culture. And he came across a woman in the streets who said she hadn't been to church for a few weeks because she hadn't felt good enough. And when she had got her life back in order again, she would come back to church. And he just felt heartbroken by that conversation. Because here was somebody who had been to church for many, many years thinking, I have to have my life sorted out before I can come to church. That is not what Jesus offers us. He says, even if you're a mess, come to me. Even if you've fallen flat on your face this week, come to me. If you've made many, many mistakes, come to me. Because I love you. I'm your great physician. I am your saviour. Because trusting in ourselves is anxious and exhausting. Trusting in Jesus is liberating and freedom. And that's a great truth we read all the way through this letter of Galatians. So the gospel is from God. It's not of human origin. It's all of grace. But also the gospel can be lost. The gospel can be corrupted. Look again down at verse 6. And you can re-sense Paul's hurt and exasperation. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. If we change the gospel, if you add little bits in, take little bits out, you no longer have the gospel that Paul is talking about. Do you remember science lessons at school and you had to create a vacuum? Remember creating a vacuum at school in science lessons? If you let a little bit of air in, it stops being a vacuum. You can't have 98% of vacuum or 99% of vacuum. You either have one or you don't. And that's what Paul's saying here. You either have the whole gospel, the one given to you by Christ and the apostles, or you don't have one at all. Paul is adamant. Those who have come and sown confusion... They aren't just adding a little bit of variety, giving a little bit of color. They are destroying. They're perverting the very essence of the gospel itself. If anyone's proclaiming a different gospel from that of Jesus, let them be accursed. That's what Paul says. Let them be accursed. And it's really strong language. Because Paul knows, and we need to know, that people's salvation is at stake. This is not just about a hobby. This is not just about a lifestyle choice. This is where people will spend eternity. In some churches today, the gospel is being confused with social action. That's important. We must be involved in that, but that is not the gospel. Some preachers and church leaders only talk about rights and equality agenda. Those are important things we need to be involved with, but that is not the gospel. Once we stop talking about a personal faith in Jesus, we have stopped talking about the true gospel. Once we relegate Jesus and the cross to the sidelines because it's embarrassing or awkward, we have lost the gospel. Many churches are dying today because there's no urgency, there's no message of repentance and faith in Jesus. Why bother if the heart of the gospel is not there.
Now, let me see if I showed my age. Hands up if you remember a TV series called Call My Bluff. Okay, we're all quite old. <laughs> okay. And now, if you remember what Call My Bluff was all about, you were given an obscure word, and the people on the panel had to convince you that their definition was correct. And when it was revealed at the end, one was giving the true definition, and the other were calling your bluff. It sounds really dull, but it was actually quite fun. Quite an interesting game show. Galatians is all about trying to give us the true definition of the gospel and to recognize when somebody was trying to bluff you. As we read through Galatians in the next few weeks, it's all about, is this the true gospel? Is this the gospel from the Lord Jesus and the apostles? Or have you accepted an imitation? A pale shadow that will lead nowhere. Now, Christians in past generations have really reveled and rejoiced in this gospel of grace. And this morning, I just want to finish with an amazing quote from John Newton. John Newton is a converted slave trader. He's an Anglican clergyman, and he wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace. And he really gets to the heart of the gospel. And he says this. I just want to finish with these words this morning. Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great saviour. If you remember nothing else this morning, because it's far too cold to remember much, remember this. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great saviour. I pray that that would be our experience and our joy as a Christian today. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for the inspired word of God that we read in the Bible. I thank you for the Apostle Paul as an extraordinary writing ability, for his extraordinary dedication and perseverance of telling people about Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that the gospel is great news. It is freedom for all people. And I thank you, Lord, we can never do enough good things to come to you. It's all about Jesus and what he did for us. Lord, may our lives reflect that. May there be grace and truth and freedom in our lives because we are Christians. We follow this man, Jesus. Lord, even this week, may these truths really begin to seep into us. May we be people who are living by grace. And Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. He gave up everything for us. In his name we pray. Amen.